our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 13. It reads like this. When they had gone, and the they here are the magi, the wise men. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So they got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God for the people of God. When it comes to Jesus, his son... Joseph was all in. That wasn't where he started. We look back at Matthew chapter 1, we see how things were proceeding. Joseph was betrothed to Mary, and it was found that she was pregnant. Joseph knew that he wasn't the dad. So his initial position was to distance himself from Mary and her child, to save his honor, to save his respect. When he heard maybe from Mary that the baby is from the Holy Spirit, the child of God, he's probably skeptical. Then we read there in Matthew chapter 1 that Joseph had a dream, and an angel spoke to him in a dream and said that the child was from God that he would be the Savior, that he'd be Emmanuel, God with us. So Joseph, from this point, is all in. And we see in these two chapters, Matthew 1 and 2, what being all in meant for him. The first thing he did was have to move his wife from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Because Caesar had said, you got to go to your own family's hometown for a census. Uh, have you ever ridden a donkey? I mean, when you watch the movies about the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph are going from Nazareth 
to Bethlehem. And a lot of times she's riding a donkey. Have any of y'all read a donkey? If you haven't read a donkey, maybe you ride a horse. Have you done that when you're pregnant? Have you done that over a long distance? Joseph's all in. He helps his wife get there. Now, my guess is she probably didn't have a donkey or a horse. She walked. Joseph helps his wife Mary walk all that way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. All in. It's difficult. It's challenging. And then when he gets to Bethlehem, how are his hotel reservations? Well, didn't have phones. He couldn't call ahead. Couldn't get on the internet. They didn't have computers. So he gets there. And again, you've heard about how it is. He goes to the inn. Is there a room in the inn? No room in the inn. So he finds a place for Mary. Finds a place for her to give birth to Jesus. Joseph is all in doing these difficult things to help his wife, to take care of his family. Then after Jesus is born, the, the magi come, the wise men. And they bow down to Jesus. Pretty exciting for Joseph. But as soon as they leave, there's another angelic message that comes. Joseph, you need to leave immediately because Herod and his crew want to kill the child. And how about, Joseph, you take your family to Egypt? Some of you know what's involved in moving your family. Some of you know what's involved in moving your family to a foreign country. Nowadays, it's not that difficult. For me, when I moved to Japan in second grade, it was pretty easy. My dad was in the Navy. Navy said, okay, you're going to go to Travis Air Force Base in California. You're going to get on this plane. You're going to fly to Japan. It was really, really easy. For Joseph to get his family from Bethlehem to Egypt, I bet was a lot more difficult. And yet Joseph is all in. So he does it anyway. And he gets there, and, and they don't speak his language there. He has to learn a new language to, to deal with the population there. He has to find a place where he can work to support his family. Now, since he was basically a construction worker, chances are it might not have been too hard to find a job. But he'd have to work in a different culture, working with different ways of doing things. But Joseph was all in for his son Jesus. And then after Herod dies, there's another angelic visit. Okay, Herod's dead. It's okay to go back to Israel now. So he starts moving his family. Uproots them from where they were in Egypt. Starts going back to Israel. Then there's another angelic message. No, don't go to back to Bethlehem where you were before you went to Egypt. Go back to Nazareth. Now, again, it's traveling a long way, this time with a little kid. It's difficult. But you can also imagine what might be going through Joseph's mind. Lord, do you want me to go back to Nazareth? What are they going to say? Because we know that they were already looking down on Mary for being pregnant before she was married. We already know they were snickering at Joseph for letting Mary pull one over on him. 
And yet Joseph goes. Joseph moves his family. Joseph is all in. In our Wesleyan tradition, we offer ourselves to Jesus the same way Joseph did. In a little bit, I'm going to invite you to pray our covenant renewal prayer. It it goes like this. I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And let the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Do you notice how serious that prayer is? Do you notice how when we pray that prayer, we're saying, Lord, I'm going to be all in with you. I'm not leaving anything back. I'm not holding anything back. I'm going to be all in. 100% committed. But think about how that might reflect Joseph's life. I'm no longer my own but yours. Here here I am, Lord, Joseph might say, working as a construction worker, a tectone carpenter. My life's going pretty good. I'm, I'm engaged, betrothed to this beautiful young woman, Mary. And then all this stuff sort of starts happening. Nobody consults me. Nobody asks me if it's okay. It's just here. And I have to deal with it. But Lord, I'm no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. It might not be my first choice. It might not be what I'd planned since childhood. But put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. If people want to think I'm such an awesome guy that later on people will call me Saint Joseph, that's great. If people want to think I'm a fool for marrying that woman, that's great too, Lord, because I'm all in. Put me to doing. Yeah, Joseph had to do plenty of doing. Put me to suffering. Plenty of hardships for him. Let me be employed for you. Or laid aside for you. We we see Joseph being employed a lot here in Matthew 1 and 2. But what about after that? After the birth narratives, after Jesus' childhood, the only place we see Joseph is when Jesus is called the carpenter's son. Mary's mentioned but not Joseph. Where's Joseph? He's probably died. He's been taken off the scene. Laid aside for you. Exalted for you. Or brought low for you. And just think how Joseph feels when he's there when when the Magi come. They're giving their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to his son. Think how exalted he feels then. I am somebody. Then having to run away in the middle of the night? Being a refugee in another country? I'm a nobody. Let me be full. 
let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. Notice the totality of those commitments that we see in Joseph's life too. But then we get, get to the, the hard line. I freely and hardly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. Notice how that reads without the adverbs. I yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. I grudgingly and unwillingly yield all things to your disposal. Because God, you're big, you're powerful, you can zap me if I don't do it, you can send me to hell if I don't do it, so God, I'm going to have to do it. But notice the force of those adverbs. I freely, nobody's making me do it. It's not like Mary's there nagging me. Come on, Joseph. Freely and heartily. This is that, that, that adverb that, that reflects that all-in attitude. Heartily, I'm, I'm diving in, Lord. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to mean. I don't know where I'm going to end up through all this, but I'm all in, Joseph says. And now, O oh, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine, and I am yours. Just think if Joseph thought this way. Through all this that I do, it's not that it's costing me a lot. Yeah, it is. But it's, I belong to God. I am his and he is mine. It's rooted in this relationship. As you see, praying this prayer is predicated on who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. Praying this prayer is not a matter of trying to earn God's favor. It's not a matter of trying to pay God off or buy God off or to put him in our debt. There's no element of quid pro quo here. What we see is what goes first is God goes all in for us in Jesus' son. Jesus comes to us fully human as one of us. You can see Jesus praying this prayer also. Now, we might be able to think today of reasons not to pray this prayer. I'm sure Joseph could think of some. Joseph might be thinking, all, all the way to Egypt, Lord, I, I'd rather not go to Egypt. How, how about someplace else? Or when he gets there, Lord, here I am, a stranger in a strange land. I'm not sure I can handle this. Or, Lord, back to Nazareth? I mean, even Bethlehem is better than Nazareth. We can imagine Joseph saying, how about I just dip my toe in? I mean, that's, that's a good starting place, isn't it? You just, here you are, you're at the pool, you're, you're thinking, maybe I'll dive in, maybe I won't, you dip your toe in. Is it too hot, is it too cold, or is it just right? Just dip my toe in. Because if you dip your toe in, what can you do? You can pull it right back out. But if you dive in, if you're just all in, there's no quick escape. What reasons might we give for not praying this prayer? Well, we might say, Lord, we're busy. Haven't you seen my calendar? Lord, don't you know what my kid's life looks like? I'm running to and fro all the time. Lord, 
we already have so many demands in our lives at work and school and community. Or maybe we think, Lord, can't I just do it? Do it my way. Do it myself. Because you, you notice this prayer has that pronoun, I. First person singular. I do this. I do that. But when we look at the Bible, when we read the Old Testament or the New Testament, we see that God's purpose is to create a people who are his very own. The Old Testament, we see God calling Abram. Abram, the, his children, his family, the people of Israel. It's a people. In Jesus, we don't see Jesus just going out, giving information to people. We see Jesus gathering a people, pioneering them in the 12 disciples. Today we see the church, the body of Christ. This going all in that I see in Scripture is something we do together. Now that, that could make it hard. Because sometimes when we go all in together, we might discover we need to repent. We need to change our ways. We need to ask forgiveness of people that we've heard hurts people that we've gossiped about people that we've turned our backs on or people that we've stabbed in the back but on the other hand it might mean that we need to forgive some people when it's way easier to just ignore them but there's a big advantage to doing this together that's that we don't have to do it alone we have people that walk alongside us. People who will hold us up when we feel so drained and tired. We can't stand. People that will encourage us when we don't know how to go on. People who give us wisdom when all we have is ignorance. Today, are, are you willing to pray this prayer? Are you willing to say these words to God who has gone all in for you in the gift of his son, Jesus? I invite you to take just a couple of minutes now and look over this prayer. Then after a couple of minutes, I'll invite you to pray it together with me. If you're able, let's pray this together now. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. 
Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O oh glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.